Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. You're engaged in planning the wedding of your dreams around a theme you love. Is it rustic? Is it elegant? Is it full of fall colors or deep, rich tones? Whatever the theme is, you need a wedding dress that matches it. My name is Misty, and today we're talking about wedding dress wardrobes. Not how to shop for one or when or where, but rather the questions and details surrounding the wardrobe that are often forgotten or simply not known. Joining me today to talk about pitfalls and mistakes to avoid is Tara. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with what this episode is not about. Um, It's not about the actual dress shopping experience and how to make that go smoothly. There's a lot of articles and checklists that discuss that in greater detail. Uh, Tara, do you have a favorite site or resource you generally send people to for the wedding dress shopping experience? Um, As you said there, yeah, there are a ton. So if you just Google literally wedding dress shopping, you'll have a million one articles. Um, I typically tend to stay towards the ones that are more popular, your brides.com for a lot of your articles, uh, the not.com, the wedding wire, um, all of those are going to have really informational articles on really every topic when it comes to your wedding dress style and when to choose and how and who to bring with you, all those fun details. Yeah, I I looked at a brides.com one last night prepping for this, and it had like 45 points to consider in the wedding dress shopping experience. So that's a whole other topic. Um, Yeah, more than you probably need. (laughs) So one of the things I mentioned in the intro was theme. Um, How important do you think it is for the dress to match the theme of the wedding day? I think it's really important. I think that your dress kind of sets this tone uh, for the the overall feeling of that bringing all of your looks that you've been planning for months together. Um, And so I often see, you know, they're those that are getting married in summer are choosing more of the non ball gown, uh, big poofy dresses and something a little more simplistic. Um, I think that if you're getting married outside versus the you know, hotel ballroom, that that's going to change everything. And a lot of times I make sure that the clients are not only thinking about your ceremony location, but think about your reception location theme as well, because sometimes those can differ um, and making sure that you kind of, you know, match both of them in some some way. Obviously, if you are just dead set, you want a ball gown, you don't care that you're getting married outside and then in a rustic barn, then do what makes your heart happy. Um, But typically, it it is best to kind of really go matching everything to kind of tie it all in together. So along with theme goes location, which you already touched on you know, where are you getting married, thinking about the reception, thinking about where you might be taking photos uh, during the day. What are some kind of mistakes and pitfalls you've seen with the wedding dress concerning, you know, location, especially or theme when those don't match and how that could create a problem? 
Yeah, I would say the majority of the times where we see kind of some issues is those that do pick um, a, a big or heavier dress in, in the summer um, and outdoor weddings and stuff like that. And so they end up getting a little too hot um, with that. The other thing with the outdoor weddings, if you have a dress that is full of tool and, you know, things that are going to basically other, you know, have things cling to it, such as bugs, such as grass, such as leaves, such as dirt, all of that, you know, if your dress is dragging on the ground as you are walking down the, you know, aisle, then those things, you know, you have to take time to clean them off before your next set of pictures potentially. Um, I've had literally where we have taken at like six different layers of tool uh, out of the dress to try to find these crickets that had just attached to the bride's uh, train. And so that uh, that was rather fun. Um, and so definitely, you know, those outdoor weddings, I think, come into play more so than, you know, your indoor, you kind of have a lot more options to choose from. And so if you are having an outdoor wedding, like think about your material and think about the weight of it and, you know, how, how it's going to move uh, in your setting. When you are thinking about more of those indoor places, um, it really kind of comes down to, again, what you want that overall look um, to be. And think obviously your theme is what everybody is going to see there present, but think about when you look back at your pictures, does your you know, elegant ball gown match your elegant ballroom? Does the you know, fun flowy lace dress match the dock pictures that you chose to take? And kind of how does that setting look when you think about you know, the photos that you're taking um, and how that all ties in? So just as important as the dresses are all of the accessories that go with it. And so most notably shoes and veil are those two big ones that often come into play. So how should we be thinking about those things when we're thinking about location and theme? Yeah, shoes are obviously one of those things that you you have to you have to be in them for a good portion of the day. Um, I come back to those outdoor weddings. Um, we've done some outdoor weddings where girls have chosen the skinny little heel as their dress, and as they're walking in the wet grass, you know they're getting stuck every ten seconds. Uh, so definitely keep in mind what your terrain is um, going to be as you walk down the aisle, as you just walk around your venue, um, taking pictures and whatnot, and what those shoes will be. The other thing to point out with your shoes, if you are wanting to wear heels for the ceremony, but maybe switch into flats for the reception, how will your dress adapt to that? If your dress is super long when you switch into flats, that's not going to be as easily moved around. Um, you'll have to want to think about your bustle in that um, consideration, which I know we'll talk about. Um, but definitely keep that in mind of if you plan to change shoes, how will your dress um, flow at the bottom? And then, you know, obviously be comfortable. Um, you know, I know I have a lot of clients that do wear the heels during the ceremony and a lot of the pictures and switch into flats for the more comfortable dancing. Like you want your dancing shoes on for the reception. So keep in mind, most people are going to buy two pairs of shoes. Or if you are somebody that are not big into heels like me, I am not a heels kind of person. Um, so I was all for just blinging out a pair of, you know, fun little kids kind of thing. And so definitely, you know, kind of think if you want to be comfortable during the ceremony, chances are your photographer, unless you lift up your dress, is probably not photographing your shoes anyway. So might as well be comfortable with it. Well, and being comfortable lends to having better pictures, right? You, yes. If you are uncomfortable, that will read on your face when you are, you know, forcing that smile in those pictures, but in pain the rest of the time. It, it does. When you are just 
full of pure joy and not concerned about some of these wardrobe issues, then that reads in your pictures. And so definitely be comfortable. Yeah. When it comes to the veil, the big thing is, again, outdoor ceremonies, you have a lot more things to think about. Um, Totally a fan of outdoor ceremonies, but if it's a windy day and you have this long flowing veil, I have multiple times seen the veil just whoop and fly off in the wind. Um, and, you know, I always tell people like, just keep going. Like no one needs to go chase the veil. We'll get it later. Um, you know, where I've had others that, you know, completely stopped what they're doing, go chase the veil and then get back to the ceremony. Not necessary. Just let it go. But think about how is it going to be secured to your head and is it secured, you know, well, and, is the long flowy veil in the wind the best option? Because you might be, you know, obviously, even if it is secured, are you whipping the bridesmaids in the face um, and it's not best for pictures? And then, you know, think about when I tell brides to look at their veil, obviously, you know, what most people do is only wear the veil for the ceremony. So think about how your hair is going to look with the veil. And once you remove that veil, are you happy with the way your hair looks without a veil in it? And so keep that in mind when you're choosing your hairstyles and any other, you know, head accessories. Um, But definitely I would say majority of my clients don't wear it during the reception. So I always say like, don't go overboard on, you know, spending money on that because you wear it for your 30 minute hour long ceremony and that's it. Great for pictures. I love the longer veils and some of those, you know, flowy pictures that the photographers do. Um, But again, it's not an accessory you wear all night. Um, So it's one of those things that I say be, be economical with it, in my opinion. And I was recently at a wedding where the bride chose to wear her veil through dinner, which was, and it was a very long veil. So it just, it was always an event that people had to help her with to get up because it was getting caught on stuff. She was sitting on it, ended up underneath a chair leg, you know, Um, so definitely thinking about not only the accessories that you're wearing when you're in the ceremony, but are you taking that to the reception? Like you said, um, Mm -hmm. when is that coming off in the night? And then what other changes need to be made? Does hair need to change? Um, you know, do you have anything else you're putting on a little jacket or something, you know, but just thinking about when those happen during the day and making sure that it makes sense for the events of the day. Yeah. And it's, you know, probably pretty self-explanatory, but obviously you want to match your veil to your dress. And so whether that's the embellishments on it, um, but really the big thing is the length. And so if your dress, you know, if you have your heart set on a really long veil, you know, talk to your, at your dress appointment about that so that they can pair you with a dress that's going to look best with that versus, you know, a short one. So one of the things uh, you talked about was fabric. Um, And that's a huge one. We have some uh, pretty staple fabrics that you usually see in wedding dresses. So I just want to talk about them a little bit, some of the positives and negatives of each of them. Um, So let's start with, we've talked about those big ball gowns, satin. Um, What are some of the great things and what are some of the things to think about that could be bad? Yeah. So with your, with your satin dresses, they have more of a, a form to them. And so when I think about, you know, spinning on the dance floor and, you know, go back to when you were five years old and your daddy was spinning you around kind of thing. You like my daughter now constantly only wants to wear those dresses that I would call, you know, like the A-line where they flow at the hips kind of thing, because when she spins, she wants that 
big poof out uh, for her bottom of her dress. And so if that's something that is important to you and you love, you know, the look of those pictures when the, you know, photographers have you spin around or on the dance floor, you really want it. Getting something that has a fabric that has more of a structure to it, like a satin. Um, and typically that's because of what they put, you know, with the bodice underneath. But those types of fabrics, the positives are going to be that they, they do flow out nice and they do have that picturesque look to them when you are spinning and kind of flowing and walking kind of thing more than your, you know, straight, um, straight, straight dresses there or your mermaid styles kind of thing. But that satin fabric is, it's, it's heavy um, and does, you know, add some weight as you, you know, Look, lug it around. There's also the heat if you are in the summer, um, again, outdoor weddings or even just indoor, but your pictures are all outside. Like think about how that weight um, and that fabric, especially around your legs. I, I didn't do a satin dress, but I, I had a lace dress with several layers. And I remember in the middle of August when our reception was, I was trying to find every fan, every vent to just open my legs and just air out because I was, my legs were so hot throughout the evening. Um, and so just keep that in mind that that's definitely what one of those fabrics are gonna do. So one of the other uh, fabrics you mentioned was organza or um, we'll kind of even talk about a chiffon as well. Some of those lighter weight that can attract uh, stuff, as you said. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So again, the, the downfall is yes, like those tools, those chiffons, they're going to pick up more of whatever you're dragging it across. Um, we have a lot of venues here that have like mulch paths that lead to the ceremony location. Never fails. There's mulch all along the bottom um, of their dresses. Um, those also, like if you are throwing lavender after your ceremony or, you know, anything else that people are going to throw at you after the ceremony, those types of fabrics usually collect that more. And so you're, you're digging it out uh, after that process a little bit more, but they are, they're lighter weight. Um, so they're easier to lug around all day. Um, they do flow still nicely in pictures, especially again, depending on how poofy you get that, that skirting there. Um, but tend to definitely be easier to manage, um, not as heavy um, so that the heat doesn't typically bother you as much. Um, but you're not, you're, those are usually a little more form fitting, uh, depending again on what kind of undergarment type, you know, bodice that you're doing. Um, and so that sometimes is not for everyone. And so keep that in mind. But it definitely, um, lace is very popular right now um, and any type of, you know, any format, whether that's a lace ball gown or just a lace A-line, you know, mermaid style, um, the lace, I don't think is ever probably going to be a fashion trend in the wedding industry that goes away. Um, it's very timeless. And so, um, but depending on, you know, all of these fabrics, however many layers your dress has, you know, doesn't matter about the fabric because the more layers that dress or that bottom, at least of your dress is going to have is going to, you know, come into play. Um, although this is not necessarily on fabric, I don't want to forget this thought. Um, but think about, ladies, think about how your cleavage um, and the upper part of your body looks in some of these dresses that when, yes, you're just standing there looking in the mirror at the, um, you know, the dress store and even in your pictures and ceremony where you're not moving a lot, like it may be the perfect dress for you. But then think about as you're dancing and you're moving around a lot going through Grand March, bending over and doing different things. How does that hold up the ladies? Um, definitely keep that in mind. Um, your heavier fabrics are going to pull the dress down a little bit more where your lighter weight ones 
are going to, you know, not have that as be as big of a factor, but also you want, if you need that structure up there, make sure that you get it or choose a strap that is going to be best suited for moving around as the day goes on. So that just leads right into what I was thinking about next, which is continuing the theme of what are you doing throughout the day? Not only, you know, where are you? What's the location? But what are you doing? What do you want to be doing on your wedding day? I know for me personally, I said, this is going to be the hugest party that I ever throw. And I want to dance and I want to have a good time. So I specifically went for a dress that was lighter weight. I knew I didn't want something strapless because I didn't want to be pulling it up all night and fighting with my dress. And I wanted to dance and have a great time. So that really affected the dress that I chose. So thinking about, you know, the upper bodice and, and even how it fits throughout your, you know, waist and hip area, because as much as I chose a dress that was lighter and I could wear, you know, a supportive bra with, I had a form-fitting dress and I didn't really think about the fact that I couldn't like, you know, really get down and I can like bend over very easily. So I was dancing straight up a lot, yeah. a lot of jumping up and down. <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember my dress was a little tighter around my hips. And so like sitting down and eating was uncomfortable, but standing up, I was perfectly fine. And so definitely, yes, at the dress store, like sit down, do a little ditty, you know, get low, whatever it is um, to kind of move around in your dress. Because again, majority of your day, you're not just standing still. Um, and so definitely make sure you're comfortable as you move around. Um, and like you said, if you're somebody that wants to dance the night away, okay, how, how is that going to affect you have a, you know, let's say, you, you know, have been eating, you've been drinking, although most nerves don't allow for a lot of that. Um, but is that going to change? Like, are you somebody, you know, that gets bloated easily and that's going to change, you know, the type of the way your dress is going to feel later in the evening. Um, I, you know, when it comes to, you know, like the lace up backs versus the buttons versus the zip up, obviously your lace up backs are going to give you more uh, wiggle room uh, for when you are, you know, needing to adjust things throughout the night as you start to move, whether you need it tighter because now you're moving around and you need to hold things in or because you just ate and drank a lot and now you need to let it out a little bit, whatever that may be, you know, think about that um, when you're thinking about the style of your dress as well. Um, well, and this, leads us, this leads us into something that I didn't necessarily intend to talk about, but think about how you're getting out of your dress at the end of the night, right? Yes. So um, I specifically didn't, I wanted a lace up back on my dress, but I didn't want it to be like a true lace up back. Cause one, you got to stand there for somebody to do that. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's point number one, but number two, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going to go back and be with my husband. And he's going to get me out of this dress. Like, yeah. The dress might not survive, you know, if that's what has to happen. Just give me so, scissors. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about if you know you're somebody that, you know, gets bloated easily or, you know, you're going to, you will have been dancing this whole night and now you've been carrying this huge satin dress, you know, the weight of it on you. And now you're sore. <laughs> now, yeah. you know, how are you getting out of this? Is it as easy as a zipper or a few buttons or, you have to make that plan as well <laughs> about 
uh, if you don't trust your husband to get you out of the lace-up dress, someone else has to come start that <laughs> process. And is that what you really want to be doing on your wedding night? Maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. But <laughs> I personally, we stayed at a hotel where none of our other guests stayed on purpose because I just, I didn't want to be thinking about our guests. And so that would have been a bad situation, you know, go down to the hotel lobby. Can you help me get out of my dress? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Good point. Yeah, definitely know how you're going to get out of it. Um, and, and since we earlier we were talking about, you know, people throwing things at you, be prepared if that's what you're doing, that by the time you actually take your dress off, when you do take it off in the hotel and you drop it and there's just lavender everywhere, that's good times. <laughs> All right. So at this point, we've got a good idea of the dress. We've decided on it. Um, one of the things that comes up in the fitting process is, you know, any alterations and then deciding on your bustle. Bustle is probably one of the main reasons for having this conversation because I have just seen so many bad bustles lately. Um, so usually we're talking about buttons or ties or hooks or something to get your dress up off the floor. So whatever sort of train or a little bit of extra fabric that you have, you're not dragging that around with you all night. Um, it doesn't always come standard with your dress. A lot of times it doesn't. So it's something that you're adding in that alteration process and it's a cost. And so you have to decide what that is. Uh, they might suggest something, um, but I find a lot of people make the decision based on cost, not on actually thinking through the night and how things are going to end up. So what are some of the things to, to think about when we're deciding on this bustle and what are some mistakes that you've seen? Yeah, I think the, the main thing with the bustle and what is going to impact which type of bustle that you do is how much fabric are you needing to tie up? Um, if your dress has a really long train or is several layers, then that bustle process is typically a little bit longer and takes a little bit more, you know, a little more durable type of bustle. Um, and there's usually, especially with the layered dress, which I just um, had the other weekend, um, where I think there was four different layers that we had to bustle up. Like keep in mind, A, that takes a lot of time, um, but B, make sure that whoever is going with you to that appointment to learn the bustle remembers how to do it and is the person that's going to do it on the wedding night as well. Um, you know, you could even take a video of that bustling thing. Um, I haven't had too many like bring instructions per se. We usually just kind of figure it out. Um, but the, the best thing that I always suggest is somehow get them to color code that bustle because trying to find sometimes those tiny little string hooks that you're supposed to put on a button literally is the death of me as a wedding planner. We spend, uh, you know, too many minutes in the bathroom trying to just find that darn little fabric that we just have to pull through uh, to hook onto a button. Um, so definitely, um, if again, obviously the color coding needs to be, you know, hidden well, but usually yellow um, is what we, you know, kind of have them just tie in a little yellow loop um, so that we can kind of see that a little bit better. Um, but those string hook, hooks onto a button, often the moment somebody steps on the back of your dress, just rip right off. Um, so we have, you know, turned to, you know, safety pinning your dress, which isn't always the best because that safety pin could be pulled out and then now you have a rip in your dress. Um, and if you're somebody that wants to, you know, wear it again or try it on or pass it down generations, you know, sometimes those types of rips can't be fixed. And so keep that in mind, you know, what are you comfortable with if you bustle does give out? And that's why it's really important to make sure you have a strong one in the beginning. 
I've actually had some pretty decent luck with the ribbon tying one, as long as you don't just kind of loosely dog ears, you know, kind of bow tie it. If you really secure that with, you know, double knots and whatnot, I do find that those actually tend to, to work a little bit better than just the, the hoop um, loop onto a button. Um, but again, it, it kind of depends on what your dress, because some dresses that tie just doesn't work well. Um, but know, know that you're bringing somebody to that appointment that knows how to do it, that will be with you on your wedding day, sober during the time that you're bustling it so they can remember and, you know, ask for help. I, I would say that I'm usually as a wedding planner, always part of the bustling process. And that could be, I'm just holding part of the layers up while, you know, her bridesmaids do it or whatnot. Um, but it usually does take at least two people plus the bride um, to get that bustled um, and make sure you allot for time and do it. Do it at a time like most people will want it, <clears throat> you know, their dress still kind of flowy for potentially, you know, grand entrance and then the first dance. Um, but during the dance portion of the evening, they want to put it up. Others are like, nope, I'm tired of lugging this train around. Um, especially if you're going to do grand march, I would encourage you to actually bustle that up before because that's a lot of opportunity for people to step on your dress. And so um, think about it in your schedule when you plan to do that um, and make sure you give yourself enough time to get it done. So one of the things we've seen recently is, um, you know, again, I said, I, I saw, I've seen a lot of bad bustles and usually that just means it's not holding the weight of the dress and it's one or two buttons and it's just not enough. And, and again, the moment somebody steps on it, that button breaks, those buttons break and now you're figuring it out. But the other thing that has come up for us is brides not liking the way the bustled dress looks in pictures. So just another thing to think about when you are doing that fitting and you know they're showing you how the bustle works, obviously tug on it, pull it around, make sure it's gonna withstand you know, the wedding night, the reception, the dancing, but taking pictures from different angles, do you like the way that it looks? Especially when you have dresses with lots of fabric, it can, it adds a lot to your backside, you know? <laughs> if, if you are already self-conscious about that, that might not be the best option. You might wanna look for a few other options that may not be as traditional, you know, if you're taking it a little bit farther down and creating more of like a mermaid effect to your dress versus bringing all this fabric up to your backside. So just something to think about, again, when you're in that process, what is this going to look like in pictures? And are you okay with that? Because a lot of times your first dances are going to be with your bustle up if you've got a super long dress, you know, so you're not fighting that. So, yeah. and then you had mentioned, um, safety pins, you know, if we have a bustle malfunction, you know, you're headed to safety pins, rubber bands, zip ties, anything to get that secured again. So you can actually dance and just thinking about what that might mean for your dress. Yeah. And so those supplies it's, a, it's a huge yeah. piece of the conversation. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. So we talk about the bustle and that being an additional cost that you can incur in the fitting process. Um, 
we've talked about some of your other accessories like your shoes and your veil. Um, also thinking about jewelry. Um, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is budget. Budget, budget, budget is the first place to start before you really plan anything. So I think the same applies to the wedding dress. So what do we think or what do you think is normally that percentage of that wedding dress budget that you're spending on those extra things, on alterations, on veil? Yeah, I would say, you know, when you find that perfect dress and you kind of figure out what what that fee is now, depending on if you're, you know, shopping the sale rack, but usually like 10% of your dress budget potentially is going to go towards your accessories. Um, obviously, that can vary depending on exactly how elaborate you're going and whatnot, but definitely, you know, set aside at least a couple hundred, um, you know, for, for those things uh, to be on the safe side. And obviously, you know, that is kind of lumping veil, jewelry, shoes together. Um, veils, you know, are one of those things that I've seen cost upwards of $500 if you're really going extravagant and lots of beadwork and stuff like that on the veil. And so definitely keep that in mind. And again, how long are you wearing it? Is that cost worthy, you know, of your budget? Um, shoes on the other hand, like I said, I, I picked out some kids, um, you know, and those you can find pretty cheap. I've had people do flip-flops and Crocs and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, but again, those can get elaborate too. Um, and then jewelry is usually where I see, you know, a good chunk of that budget, you know, really going, uh, to. So we've talked about the situations where, uh, you know, the dress might not quite fit your theme or your location, or you've got multiple locations to consider. So assuming it fits in your budget, um, are you a fan or do you suggest having a second dress or multiple dresses throughout the night? Um, that was actually something I thought with. Still there. Uh, that was something that I fought with on my wedding day a lot, um, whether or not I would uh, do a second dress. Um, we actually did a Jamaica reception. And so we got married on the beach. Um, and so my first thought was, okay, I'm going to have this beach wedding dress. I even thought I was going to go with short. Um, and then I'll have this fun reception dress when we get back and do our indoor reception because we were getting married at a theater. So I was like, it's going to be really hard for me to fit my two themes together. Um, but I ended up actually finding um, an amazing lace dress that really did go with both sceneries really well. It was light, lightweight enough for the ceremony. Um, and again, although I was really hot at my reception, I chose August. So that was just due to the heat outside in my venue, unfortunately, not keeping up on the air conditioning. And so overall, I was very happy with my decision. But I played around with that idea to the point where I actually did buy a second dress um, but ended up only wearing that for like um, our pre-ceremony pictures that we did in Jamaica um, because I started to think about like, uh, do I really want to change at the reception and stuff like that? It is definitely a, a great choice depending on uh, obviously your budget and what, why are you, why are you changing? Are you changing just because you want to and you think it's fun and you couldn't decide between two dresses? Do the two dresses have completely different looks, which is usually what happened. You usually see something a little more formal for the ceremony and something a little more casual for reception. Um, just actually in these last couple of years, I've had um, two brides that were like swing dancers. And so they wanted to do this whole routine at the reception, but knew that their big heavy ball gown was not going to be the right fit for that. And so they changed into fun 
uh, flowy dresses. I think both of them were actually short. Um, one paired it with cowboy boots, you know, and it was super cute and kind of, you know, really felt, felt that, really uh, complemented that, that uh, what they were trying to do there. And then I've had some that have changed into a second dress due to ceremonial, you know, cultural things and, you know, have definitely, you know, that's really tied in and brought that, you know, sense of cultural to their reception and which was super nice. The really fun thing that I like is actually when you have those dresses where you could actually detach, you know, the belt and then this long flowy, you know, train that you once had is now gone and you have more of this form fitting, you know, A-line type dress. I wanted one of those, but 10 years ago, that was not really a big thing. And so I could not find that in my budget, um, but that would be probably what I would suggest is definitely, you know, looking for that. If you're somebody that wants two dresses, but not the budget of two dresses, um, potentially that can come in under what two dresses would cost you. Um, but again, make sure that you try it on different ways, move around in it, make sure that both of that is going to, to really fit well. Um, and I'm a sucker, although not necessarily having to do with two dresses, but I'm a sucker for a dress with pockets. Like that's my thing. <laughs> so keep that in mind. That's what you want. Those exist and those are fun. And definitely. Where else uh, do you put your phone? Otherwise you're left without your phone all night. Exactly. Or your lipstick or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, definitely a, a plus. So I, I, I love, I really do um, like when brides change in. The thing that I don't like is when they change into the second dress too early. And so think about those real formal pictures that you plan to maybe put on your wall and stuff of that nature. Um, what dress do you want to be in for that? And make sure that you've gotten all of those, you know, staple things out of the way at your reception before you change into the per se reception dress. One of my favorite um, weddings that Josh and I did this year was uh, Disney themed. And so they were all a dis different Disney princess, the bride being Cinderella. And so they had like these big poofy tool bottoms, but they all made their dresses. I think the bride's mom is a seamstress. And so they made the dresses. So they did a reveal when they came in for the reception um, and they took off the bottom and then it just became a shorter dress. And this was, a, you know, in their backyard, they had a tent. I mean, it was a more casual affair. Um, so they made it a little more formal at the front side of it. And then the back side was just, the back half of it was super casual, but they did this reveal and took off their bottom tool. And next thing you know, it was this short dress right above the knee and it was super cute. So I think that that's one of those things that will um, be more prevalent. Obviously it has become more prevalent um, than 10 years ago or 15 years ago is the dresses that transform or you have the addition to make it more dramatic during the ceremony that you can remove. And that might be a little bit easier than, you know, figuring out bustling this huge, huge train. Yeah. And I think, you know, besides the train, when you think about transforming your dress, like you can also like you can add sleeves that, you know, for your church ceremony that you then can remove or maybe you have straps, you know, for, you know, certain portions of the evening. I, I would go for straps during the reception, you know, so again, the ladies are, are put in, but definitely, you know, kind of keep in mind there's other things that you can do. Maybe that's you put a fun, you know, jeweled belt, uh, which used to be a thing back when I was getting married, but not, I don't see it as much now, but maybe you're, I had one that just recently, she added a huge big bow to the back of it. And I remember we did her wedding video and you can hear during the first look, the groom was like, oh, you got your bow you wanted. And it looks amazing. And like watching her on the dance floor with this huge big bow, which probably like 
if you were to see pictures like man that's a really big bow but once the way she wore it and the way that it looked with the dress that she had like the bow just literally made the dress and so think about just adding those little simple things and how again if they can be removed how that transforms your dress to make it into a different dress you know later on yeah we had a friend that um had a church wedding and they had um you know a little kind of fitted cardigany little thing that it was all lace and so it went over the dress so that they had long lace sleeves during the um ceremony and i didn't it was done so well i didn't even realize it was a piece you could take off even like standing right next to her until it came off and then she had a strapless dress and i was like i i didn't know those were two pieces so yeah. uh, i think that that's that's super cool all right so i think we've gotten through most of the the pitfalls and things to consider that you may not be thinking of when you're picking the dress and just so excited to pick your pretty dress um any final details to add yeah i would just add make sure you think about your groom's attire your bridesmaid's attire and your groomsmen on how those um situations or those you know suits in as well as dresses are going to complement your dress and so that could be if you want everybody to kind of match you know the the if your dress is long and flowy and you want all the bridesmaids to be long and flowy like how will those you know all complement each other if you are wanting something more casual on a dress like you're typically not going to put your groom in a black tie suit you know so keep in mind what you're choosing then should fall into line what they are, you know, choosing, um, not just about color, you know, matching, but also the style of it and how formal will you be versus him. Um, and I always caution, you know, we talk about, you know, you transforming your dress and stuff like that. It's often very early in the evening that the groom is ready to take off the tie, the bow tie, the jacket, the suspenders, whatever it is you have him in. Again, think about those formal pictures that you're taking. I have had a lot where you know, the groom takes off his jacket and his tie before the first dance. Did you anticipate ever, you know, putting those first dance photos into an album or on the wall? And are you okay that now he's just in a white shirt? Um, same thing like for your dad, I, never fails. The dad is like, when can I get out of this? Um, so keep in mind, again, if you want him to be more formal for your first dance, um, you know, tell him that and keep in mind, you know, what that schedule looks like. And if he's ready to get out of it right away and he's not a guy that typically wears a suit, maybe you do your first dance right after your grand entrance. And so kind of keep in mind what your schedule looks like so that people aren't uncomfortable till the end of the evening. No, that's great advice. Definitely something to think about when you're putting that timeline together. All right, that's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. So, and cheers till next time and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!